This month's episode of Paranormal Heart is brought to you by Nodakian Studios. If you're looking for a beautiful piece of stoneware pottery, check out Nodakian Studios at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Nodakian Studios. And also check her out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Nodakian Studios, where you can see updates on where she's going to be, as well as giveaways. Go check it out. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward, along with a special segment, Oddities with John Mallard. Welcome, folks, to the August episode of Paranormal Heart, your monthly paranormal podcast. A new episode is released on the last Sunday of each month at 6 p.m. Eastern on Podbean. You can also find Boo and I on YouTube, sparkradionet.work, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Paranormal Radio, TuneIn, and each Sunday on imdarkwaters.com at 6 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to show your love and support of the show by simply clicking like, share, and subscribe on YouTube, or follow on Podbean, or anywhere else you listen to us. If you have any topics you'd like to hear or have a guest in mind, or you yourself would like to be a guest, it's easy to contact me. Just drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. Before I get to my next guest, enjoy Oddities with John Mallard. Let's hear what odd things John has for us this month. Over to you, John. Hey, oddballs. Welcome to this month's oddities. Strange facts about an odd, odd world that are very, very true. There's a lot of strange people in the world, oddballs. It's true, it's true. I happen to be one of them. But you know, there's just strange folk all together out there. Just a few strange entries about strange people will be my oddities this month who do strange things in this strange, strange world. Have you heard about the carpetbagger? A 48-year-old man identified as Giorgio T. goes to New York City bars and lies down on his stomach on the floor because he likes it when people step on him. <laughs> he even carries around a rug so he can attach to his back along with a sign that says, Step on Carpet. Giorgio explains, When we were kids, one friend wanted to be the doctor, another wanted to be the carpenter, and I wanted to be the carpet. Next weird person I... Some people like baseball better than football, says Michigan teenager Kyle Critchbaum, but I like vacuum cleaners better than anything. Kyle loves the sound, feel, and look of vacuum cleaners, as well as the act of vacuuming. Kyle's love of vacuum cleaners is purely platonic, he says, but he just can't get enough of vacuum cleaners. In fact, he has more than 200 vacuum cleaners and vacuums his parents' house five times a day. I kind of would like to have him as a foster child. That'd be that'd be awesome. I foster. You guys should foster too. Oh, more strange people. A 37-year-old woman in Stockholm, Sweden suffered from musophobia, an unreasonable fear of mice. Her 59-year-old ex-husband knew that and wanted revenge after their bitter divorce, so he went to her apartment and pushed 19 mice through her mail slot. She's now being cared for in a hospital, say police. The man was arrested on harassment and animal cruelty charges and has demanded that all 19 mice be returned. Wowzer! Mauser! <laughs> that was a Ninja Turtles joke. Thomas Borkman, have you heard about this guy, was arrested in Cook, Australia after he broke into a woman's apartment. The woman woke up to discover that Borkman had glued his face to the sole of her foot. That's right. He glued his face to her foot. It took surgeons three hours to separate foot from face. Police said that... 
There's just so many jokes I can crack here. Police said that the act had some sexual significance. Well, I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I don't really see what the heck that guy was into. But I will say this. These people are all oddballs. They're your oddities this month. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Back to you, Cat. Folks, this episode is very intriguing to me. It's a topic I've never delved into before, and I hope you find it as fascinating as I do. My next guest has television and film appearances, which include Ancient Tomorrow and Mysteries of the National Parks, Yosemite, to name just two. He has also done consulting for television shows such as NBC's The Blacklist, which is a personal favorite of mine. He has studied alchemy and travels the world researching sacred places with local Vortex experts. Please help me welcome Dan Shaw, the Vortex Detective. Hello, Dan. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Thank you very much. I'm really happy that you're here because, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, um, this episode will kind of fit in with a past guest of mine, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on. Um, but before we get uh, get to the questions, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where we can find you? Mm-hmm. I'm at danshaw.com and at vortexmaps.com, and I'm the Vortex Detective. I've uh, spent my lifetime mm, looking beyond the obvious, and uh, I haven't had qu- quite the paranormal experience that Dr. Perodin did. I, I can't say that I myself have personally gone through a supernatural gateway, but I've, I've spent my life in search of and researching paranormal vortexes and, and traveling and meeting people who are experts on the sacred sites in their region. That's really fascinating to me. Um, not a lot of people that I've heard on other shows or people that I've encountered actually know much or talk a lot about vortexes or vortices. Well, everybody has a unique perspective on these paranormal vortexes. Everybody comes to the research from a different angle, and, and I definitely... I came from a unique angle. I actually came into uh, what I call geomancy or earth magic mm-hmm. through the avenue of studying extraordinary healing and alchemy. I didn't come into paranormal vortexes because I have happened to fall through one <laughs> and make it out the other side. But uh, I, I've was, uh, I, I feel guided to this research and and I was gifted with some maps which are visionary maps vortex maps uh, maps of the geometric relationship between these paranormal places and I published those and I've uh, been doing the research and at the center of of the, this research and my emphasis is very much on uh, electromagnetics and the geophysical energies the unity of our human energy field with with the energy field of the earth. So would you say that, because I'm not fully understanding vortexes, would they be the same thing as ley lines? Or is that something completely different? Uh, I would say uh, like several blind man, blind men feeling different parts of an elephant. Mm, yes. <laughs> I think we're, <laughs> we're looking at different parts of the same phenomena or different of the same phenomena from different angles. You could think of vortexes as being perhaps where ley lines cross. Mm. So the ley lines are, and that's L-E-Y, ley lines are are straight lines, usually rifle straight lines uh, connecting sacred sites. And there are other types of energy lines, lines that are sinuous perhaps. And you could think of the vortexes as being like acupuncture points and the ley lines as being acupuncture meridians. To me, that's a very very close analogy mm. so so yes people are often familiar with ley lines i i use the term vortexes but i use it mm, sometimes in a very broad way sometimes in a very narrow way um where there's a natural vortexes everywhere in the air in the water when i'm talking about vortexes i'm talking about places that contribute to paranormal phenomena and uh there are places all over the planet, not just the Bermuda Triangle, let's say, Mm -hmm. 
but vortexes all over the planet where and pl- these are places where you could say the veil between worlds is thin where the goblins and the fairies and the orbs and bigfoot cryptic creatures might be coming through or traveling through hmm. do you think this is how uh, you mentioned bigfoot so many people you know can, we we can't find bigfoot per se and people say that he can um chain he, he's he's traveling he's a dimensional traveler so do you think perhaps maybe this is how they're traveling if i do is, if this is about the, if this is how they're doing it I do. I think we have a kind of an electromagnetic blindness for the most part. And that uh, just because we don't see beyond the visible spectrum doesn't mean uh, other creatures don't uh, exist and perceive Mm. beyond the the, uh, visible spectrum in other parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. So I like to think that if we had electromagnetic vision, uh, we would be seeing the energy of people. Uh, we might have be better able to see mm, through that veil into that other dimension, uh, so to speak. So I, I like to say there is no other side. Hmm. Sort of like uh, infrasound, some animals can hear it and we just don't have the capability of hearing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and how much of that is learned or, or mm. uh, miseducation uh, due to maybe... Um, uh, electromagnetic pollution, maybe that uh, be if, if we let our hair grow to its full length, we would be even more sensitive antenna than we already are. But our human body is uh, an antenna. In fact, everything is an antenna. Everything is giving off and receiving frequencies. And so as a geomancer or as a vortex detective, what I'm looking for are places that affect our physiology and our consciousness and the unique signature of each place and how it might affect us differently, different chakras, you might say. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, um, as I told you, I told Dr. David Perodin, a past guest, uh, that I would be interviewing you today, and he wanted to know if I could ask you a question. So um, this is what he wrote. Uh, when I encountered the dimensional traveler, he told me that he was heading south the next day. That remark sticks with me. He was very pleasant, and his comment didn't imply south was hell, but also not sure if it was simply as him going to the southern United States. So when a dimensional guide tells you that he's heading south, is there some specific meaning to that, or do you have any any thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, that, could be, that could be a bit of a puzzle piece there. <laughs> uh, I would say... I might ask a follow-up question. Is he heading to geographic south, or is he heading to magnetic south? Ah. Hmm. That's and, interesting. And I, I say that because the, uh, the magnetic field of the Earth is uh, not well understood, really, even today. It's very dynamic. We all exist in this churning electromagnetic sea. You could say that there's uh, daily variations in the Earth's electric and magnetic field and in seasonal variations. And uh, it, it appears to all, to all appearances, the, the magnetic north and south are highly important in, in geomancy, in feng shui, in, in the study of vortexes, in our, hum- in our own human energy field. So we have a we have a, a south pole in our own human energy field as well. Hmm. So you, you, no, go sorry. ahead. No, go ahead. <clears throat> oh, I was going to say the uh, in in alchemy uh, we have a principle that as above so below, or that the microcosm reflects the macrocosm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So just there there is a a certain unity a relationship of identity between the human energy field and the planetary energy field. So if we find chakras in our bodies, we should expect to find chakras in the earth. If we find a north and south pole in the earth, we should expect to find the same in our body. Hmm. I've never heard of that. Hmm. So are vortex, vortex is tied to the land only, or can they be opened by some other means, and if anybody would want to open one? 
<laughs> Very mysterious. I don't claim to have all the answers, but yes. uh, I've looked at the, the you know a lot of different researchers, and uh, I am looking at vortexes which are now hypothetically you could say there might be vortexes which are entirely natural, mm-hmm. yes, and the vortexes which are entirely man-made uh, in theory. But I think in in fact. Uh, vortexes are some combination of natural and then with some human intention, some human influence. Yes, so these vortexes on they have their own biorhythms, let's say, and they are in cycles of charging and discharging. And uh, uh, when we come in uh, to a place, to an energetic place, a vortex, we, we affect that place whether consciously or not. Uh, and if we are aware of the possibility and we have intention and we have will, then we can affect how that place is operating. And that is our, that's our goal as alchemists or as geomancers to understand the nature of the place so that we can work with the nature of the place, work with the, the way the materials want to work and uh, to be able to influence those, to help harmonize them if they're out of harmony. Hmm. Deep stuff. <laughs> How long have you been studying this? Well, uh, I would say I began studying extraordinary healing tools and techniques around 1986, 1987, which was around the time of the harmonic convergence. It was a, there was a planetary meditation called the harmonic convergence, and I was <clears throat> studying with a group of healers and just waking up spiritually myself at that time, and I wasn't studying specifically vortexes, but within the next couple years uh, in the universe, or I like to think of my guides and angels, had uh, kind of delivered up this gift to me, this idea, these visionary maps, and I've been focusing on those ever since, and it does touch on every other aspect of the paranormal, I think. touches on astrology, it touches on cryptic creatures, touches on psychic abilities. So it's, um, it does uh, bring me into a lot of interesting places. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. So since you've awakened spiritually, have you gotten any psychic abilities or did you have any before? Mm, well, I had my first psychic experiences when I was about seven years old. And uh, I didn't know what to think of them at the time. Uh, I certainly couldn't talk to anybody about them at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, really. But uh, I began uh, meditating and having psychic experiences uh, just on my own. Uh, I found a way to meditate around age seven. And uh, it wasn't until about age 21 where where I I, mm, was really had all the right triggers lined up for me, and I began studying with spiritual teachers and such. I have such a hard time meditating. I lose focus or I fall asleep. It's just not easy for me at all. Um, Do you have any advice on how someone like myself could perhaps uh, have better techniques? I have a very broad definition of meditation. Mm -hmm. For me, meditation is any kind of one-pointed focus. So people are perhaps familiar with the idea of using a, a word, a mantra, repeating that as a point of focus, or looking at a candle flame or a geometric pattern, a mandala, as a visual mm-hmm. single point of focus. But you can also do moving meditations, walking meditations, or, or tai chi, or for some people, cooking is their meditation, or dance or chess, or whatever it might be that brings you to that one-pointed concentration. So for some people, it's a matter of kind of expanding their perception of what is the meditation for them. Maybe it's painting or gazing off into the distance or whatever it is for you. But um, we're, we're training our mind, hopefully training our mind for that s- single-pointed focus, or what even might it be called, even the open focus. Um, but I would, I would not... Uh, prescribe a type of meditation to you or to anyone until I had a sense of, mm, until I kind of assessed what's going to be a suitable type of meditation. Uh, 
Uh, walking meditation is often something children can start very young, but uh, it's uh, maybe maybe not everyone's path either to meditate in a certain way. I never even thought that there'd be other like the walking meditation that you referred to. I <laughs> always thought of the uh, the one that everyone pretty much knows, where you're either lying down or you're sitting. Um, and uh, that's the one that I always had a hard time with. But yes, I can definitely understand how do like the walking meditation where you're just focusing your mind on whatever you do, whatever you're doing. Because I, I I have done that several times. I'm sure other people have as well. Sure. So if you uh, if you identify a place in your area that seems like a highly energetic place to you, because there's one nearby, whether it's uh, maybe it's a lake, a mountaintop, a waterfall, field, meadow, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that is a great place to practice your psychic abilities, whatever those might be. And if you're wanting to practice, let's say, meditating, at that place you can focus on the sound of the wind, the sounds around you. You can do a listening meditation. You can maybe focus on the colors around you. Uh, uh, Recently came across a, a technique that was new to me that is apparently ancient, where if you have trouble focusing on a single point, uh, then you might imagine yourself uh, with four different objects around you. Uh, maybe each one is a different piece of fruit, let's say. And so in your mind's eye, you can shift your attention from one piece of fruit to the next in that mm. way kind of helps, gives your monkey mind something to do, but you focus on a single point kind of as long as you can, but then you move to the next. Well, yeah, so your mind doesn't wander like mine does so often when I'm trying to do these things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. I'll have to give that a try. Yes, uh, several times, I love the wind. Um, fall is my mm. special, is my favorite time of year. So mm-hmm. when it's that little, you know, in the evenings when it's a little windy and, and, uh, some people say it sounds spooky. I just love sitting there and just listening to the wind. I absolutely love It's so calming to me. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a kind of magic, which is scrying or, <clears throat> let's say, divining from the sound of the wind, hearing the sound of the gods in the wind, the wind as an oracle. You could do the same with the ocean waves, the sound of a waterfall, kind of a white noise. Mm-hmm. We can hear the divine voice in that. The Maya built their uh, some of their rooftops. They built in what's called a roof comb, kind of an open latticework structure, where the sound of the wind coming through creates that kind of eerie hmm. sound that they would use as to listen to the spirits, really. Oh. I'm originally from the east coast of Canada, so uh, the ocean, I now live in Ontario, and I really miss the ocean. There was that was also an, a peaceful place for me, just to sit on the beach, listen to the waves, listen to the wind and the birds, mm-hmm. and um, I really miss the the salt air and and um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was very very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Well, every element of your environment is part of what I call the vortex effect. So whether you're on a mountaintop or you're in a valley, <clears throat> whether you're uh, in a desert or you're at the coast. Uh, these things all have a unique electromagnetic fingerprint or signature to them. Uh, if you're at the coast, there's that layer uh, where the waves are breaking, mm-hmm. where the air is very full of salt. And that is electric in a way, different way than desert air. Yeah. And when you put your feet in the sand, you're putting your feet into essentially quartz crystal. Yes. And when it's moist, then you're grounding your electrical field. The seawater is salty, so it's carrying electrical currents within its different layers of temperature and salinity. There's different electrical currents flowing in the ocean. And uh, where the ground has moisture in it and minerals, the earth itself, soil has electrical currents in it. So there's all these different electrical components in the environment that I'm interested in is contributing to the vortex effect, but also these other elements that we've been talking about, the color, the, the, the smell, uh, the, these other elements of the place, the sounds all contribute, in my opinion, they contribute to the vortex effect because again, they're in, it's, 
these stimuli, uh, acoustic stimuli, light, sound, color, they're all affecting our aura, our consciousness in a certain way. So I draw, I fo do focus on electromagnetism, but um, I don't pretend that that explains the whole vortex phenomena. There are subtler levels of energy as well. Hmm. Are there physical signs of a vortex? You can d recognize a vortex even if you're not psychic and you don't have psychic sight or if you don't actually consciously feel it in your body. Yes, because you can see how the animals are behaving and how the plants mm. are growing. <clears throat> and if you look carefully at the, let's say, rabbit trails on a hillside, those will tend to follow the energy lines. Mm. If you are at a, a vortex which is, let's say, negative or, or not beneficial, because I believe that they can be either beneficial or, or not beneficial, mm -hmm. uh, you might find that you don't see a lot of warm-blooded animals around the vortex. Uh, you can see from maps and air photos because uh, I find, <clears throat> I've confirmed the research of another researcher, vortex researcher named Nick Nelson. Uh, Nick Nelson has identified a number of vortexes which are 54-mile diameter circles. Mm -hmm. And you see these on the on even the crudest maps because the mountains, uh, the, the roadways tend to follow the mountains and bodies of water. Mm -hmm. So you'll find these circles and half circles with a diameter of 54 miles. <clears throat> and just to mention one, I'm just going to mention Bend, Oregon, uh, as the center of a 54 mile circle. And when you look at Bend, Oregon on a map, you'll see it's uh, surrounded by mountains in every direction that are 27 miles distance and it's the center of a 54 mile circle and I have an idea that that might be because 54 miles is a kind of a harmonic or fraction of uh, fundamental measurement of the earth and that is the circumference of the earth the measurement around the earth through the poles the polar circumference of the earth is a near exact multiple of 54 miles hmm. And so I've, I've written a number of books and booklets, and I have one called U.S. Vortexes 54 Miles Wide. And if your listeners will email me at uh, ask, A-S-K, ask at danshaw.com, send me an email, I'll send you a free copy of this booklet called U.S. Vortexes 54 Miles Wide. Thank you. My I'm, pleasure. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, you've really opened my, my, my eyes here. There's, just, there's so much information here that I n didn't even know anything about. Hmm, well, it's, uh, the electromagnetic world in which we live is something that people are generally oblivious to, unless they're in a lightning storm. They're not really thinking about how electric the air mm -hmm. is, but these, I propose that like bees, birds, and fish, humans are sensitive to these uh, magnetic fields. We have magnetoreception. We have uh, the mechanism uh, that uh, seems to be this magnetic mineral magnetite that occurs minute mm -hmm. amounts, but that occurs in our every cell of our brain and in our sinuses. We have this magnetic mineral magnetite. And so that does seem to be a possible mechanism for humans to have magnetoreception, just like birds, bees, and fish. I wasn't aware that uh, we had magnetite. Huh. Yeah. So that um, that's pretty much a hematite that's magnetized. Mm, I I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna venture that exact definition because I I would I, I don't want to uh, give you the wrong definition. Mm -hmm. Fair uh, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you were talking about positives and negatives of the vortex. So. Do some people actually get sick around them if, if you have the negative ones? Mm -hmm. Yep, you do have to be self-aware when you go into an energetic spot on how you're responding to it. You have a biorhythm, and the place itself has a kind of a biorhythm, and uh, different people uh, are affected differently at the same time, and the, a person may be affected differently at different times. So hmm. uh, when you go into the spot, um, you know, you may feel elated 
you may be like, oh, I've got that mountaintop feeling, yay! Or you may feel like, oh, I'm feeling a little nauseous. And I uh, have spent uh, uh, three seasons leading tours at an attraction called the Montana Vortex, uh, which is one of eight genuine vortexes around the U.S. that are open as tourist attractions. And at the Montana Vortex leading tours, uh, I did once have a person throw up on my tour, uh, a young a young boy threw up on the tour, and I, I joke, uh, I hope it wasn't my tour that made him <laughs> sick. Uh, but uh, his grandfather tells me that his grandmother had the same response to the vortex energy. So some people do, uh, won't even come onto the property. They can feel it before they even come on. It's, often, uh, it's more often women than men who, who seem to be very sensitive to magnetic Why do you figure that? I'm not quite sure, but uh, the energy does seem to be very turbulent uh, <clears throat> at places, and uh, and only a few places. When we're thinking of a vortex, you could almost think of like um, two spinning. Well, think of two spinning whirlwinds, <clears throat> uh, not just one. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, you've um, we're oversimplifying in any number of ways. So just for for the sake of drawing a pigmental picture, uh, we're talking about a spiral, but it's perhaps not a two-dimensional spiral. It may be a three-dimensional spiral. And really what we're talking about is more dimensions. Uh, but uh, if you can think of that spiral as being like a slice of a torus or a donut shape, mm -hmm. yeah, that spiral could be happening in any number of orientations. Uh, it has like an X, Y, and Z axis in space. Mm -hmm. And so if you have two counter-rotating vortexes, and let's say these are electromagnetic vortexes, uh, where these two things, they may be, uh, if they're counter-rotating, then where they, they're tangent, where they touch, that's going to be nice. They're going to be going in essentially the same direction. That makes sense. But if they're both rotating in the same direction, where they come together and touch now that it's going to be like a tornado, hurricane, uh, the jet stream in the atmosphere touching down to Earth, it's going to shear off. There's going to be these extreme shearing forces mm. and forces coming off of these two. So um, following this analogy, uh, if there, we're in this churning electromagnetic ocean, it's all vortexes all the time. Um, sometimes you might find like the perfect wave or the, the perfect storm, mm. let's say, where forces kind of, um, they coincide to create a very turbulent uh, storm on a small scale. So that's, that's the picture I, I imagine uh, when somebody like uh, your, your Dr. Paradin um, ends up passing through a, a supernatural doorway. So would you say this doorway is, it, it must be a two-way door, so to speak? Some people will come back to tell about it for certain, and I think more people come back and they never talk about it at all. Hmm. But uh, it's important to share the experience. The more you share about it, uh, the more other people open up. It's, I, I encourage people who haven't had a paranormal experiment experience to try this experiment, to just actually make up a story and tell a little white lie. It's maybe a big white lie to just a, a, like a social experiment. Uh, maybe choose a, a confidant, a friend or two, and tell them that you've seen a Bigfoot or a UFO or whatever it is, uh, kind of testing the waters. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it's like nine times out of ten, that person will come back and tell you, you know, they had a lucid dream or they had mm -hmm. precognition or they had some, they had a brother who, you know, didn't get on a plane because they had a vision, you know, whatever it might be. Um, it's way more common than, than we think. It sure is, because uh, I'm also a paranormal investigator, and more often than not, I've had so many people tell me, I don't believe in that. But there was this one time, uh, <laughs> 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 which uh, a lot of people in the paranormal, this always happens to them. There's always, you know, quite a few people that will say that, and they just open up. It's just amazing, because they know that other people have had this experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Uh being as I'm a, uh, a vortex, the vortex detective, uh, 
uh, uh, people do feel free to open up to me. And then, they, well, they should because it would be it'd be very difficult to surprise me. Uh, in fact, uh, part of my origin story is that at age 14, I was sitting in the backyard of my my parents' home, my home at age 14, uh, looking up at a dark night sky and a UFO a craft turned mm-hmm. on its lights flashed its lights uh, seemingly for me mm-hmm. t- to me uh, seemingly and uh, and somehow even at that point I was not entirely surprised so uh, if if an alien were to manifest or a Bigfoot or some cryptic creature were to manifest in front of me right now Yes, I'm sure I would be surprised to a degree, but um, your listeners should feel free to share their stories freely, <laughs> yes. I guess is what I'm saying. I've, I've pretty much heard it all. I've got a little booklet, too, called uh, Letters from the Vortex, where people describe their experience, and they are of every sort. Well, that would be interesting. Where can we find that book? It's on my, on my website, and mm-hmm. it's... Uh, it's got oh you know fifteen different stories in it or so, and uh, I uh, I sell it for a couple dollars or or sometimes just give it away. Is it an ebook or is it a hard copy? It's, it's a downloadable ebook, mm-hmm. so I can send out I can send out uh, a link for people to download it, and it doesn't cost me anything, and it's it's a pretty short thing. It's uh, it's definitely an eye opener, though. Yeah, that would be very intriguing for me to read. Um, I love hearing about various experiences that people have had because I'm, I'm pretty sure there's experiences that I haven't heard of yet. Mm-hmm. Well, they're just of really of every description, every description of um, somebody may be just uh, dozing off to sleep in their armchair in their living room and, and find that they're having a conversation with some researcher across the world who's being coy about identifying themselves and such and such. Hmm. Wow. And how many people did you say that, uh, how many stories in this book? Oh, I think something like 15 stories in there. Mm-hmm. And again, if, you're, if your readers, uh, when your readers email me, ask at danshaw.com, I'll send them a free copy of the Letters from the Vortex book. Oh, thank you. You bet. So if the Vortex is in fact a doorway, if someone is entering and leaving could they be stuck in between the entrances and, and, and the exit, do you think? Would you have any thoughts on that? I imagine it's got to be the very rare individual who comes out the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, I, I think of uh, going through a car wash with those spinning brushes going through. And uh, I think that there's uh, probably like a highly turbulent point in time and space electromagnetic turbulent point and uh it's it's got to be nearly impossible i would think to to retrace your steps back through that now if i had the option of stepping through a supernatural doorway i'm i'm afraid that i i would step through because i I have i do feel like i've missed a chance in -hmm. the past Mm -hmm. so um so I think I've already answered that question. I guess, time, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I've pretty much already made an agreement that if that, that ship shows up, I'm getting on. So I've, <laughs> I have I've warned my friends and family that that might happen. Yeah. If I disappear, I found one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So do, do you have any thoughts on when people are going missing uh, without a trace? Perhaps they found one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's naturally going to be my position. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. going to say everybody who disappears has gone through a dimensional gateway. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, everything that I have learned in my studies points to the truth of these supernatural gateways, and that they they may activate, mm, let's say, on their own cycles or by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but they may be subject to human manipulation. So, um, and and I, I have, again, uh, accounts 
from witnesses, firsthand witnesses who I believe are credible describing just exactly that. Uh, I'll, I'll point out that there's this pilot named Bruce Guernon, G-U-E-R-N-O-N, and he describes that experience flying in the area of the Bermuda Triangle. And hmm. <clears throat> we have this Bigfoot researcher uh, named Matthew Johnson, Dr. Matthew Johnson, and he uh, seems very credible to me. And uh, he describes a device which was creating some kind of an electromagnetic pulse uh, and opened up uh, some kind of dimensional gateway where uh, these these Bigfoot beings uh, were coming through. And I've met the fellow who uh, developed the device. And he also is a very humble, credible man who is clearly having difficulty integrating this new information and also, um, you know, coming to terms with his, his relationship with his wife over this new perspective on mm -hmm. life. So this is a spiritual emergency for some people. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, uh, you know, who, uh, they are risking their credibility, their closest relationships sometime, uh, their, their career, their professional career. Uh, and so it seems they have no motive, really, every every reason not to reveal their paranormal experiences, and yet they do. So mm -hmm. that, to me, lends to their credibility. And often they're the first ones to um, add some detail that actually detracts from their own credibility. And I actually, in my own <clears throat> story, uh, there's elements that um, when I tell my story in complete detail, uh, there's... Uh, details that seem to detract from the whole picture and, and people only reveal those little cracks in their story when they really are um, being truthful, I think, mm -hmm. right? if that makes sense. It's really sounding to me that Dr. Perodin's experience that he did enter some kind of a vortex and that there was a guide who who did help him through uh, it's just sounding more it just makes more sense now i'm actually getting the chills which i i feel is a good sign <clears throat> and i want to mention uh, he mentions like sawdust in the air mm -hmm. which is that's that's so beautiful because uh, often people who are having these experiences describe a kind of a haze or a, a mist mm -hmm. or sometimes they, they see it as a blue mist, something like that. So for him to describe that kind of haze in the air is uh, kind of typical. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He, um, when he listens to this, maybe he'll uh, he'll finally get a few answers. Mm, well, I'd be delighted to talk to him personally. Oh, and can... uh, again, I'll, I'll answer every email to ask at danshaw.com. I'll send you a free ebook. So feel free to reach out. It's how I do my vortex research. I do some of it right here from my desk by talking to people out in the field, people who have, you know, intimate experience of their place. Mm -hmm. Have you traveled uh, abroad to investigate this as well or is pretty much in the U.S.? I, I wish I could say I've traveled all over the world, but I, I haven't got uh, too far past, oh, like the UK and and uh, a bit of Europe and such. Mm -hmm. But uh, indeed, I have had a chance to get down to Mexico and see some of the, mm -hmm. the ancient monuments down there. And of course, all over the United States, there are ancient monuments. People are generally hmm, relatively unaware of them mm -hmm. for for a number of reasons, but uh, in America we have a place called America's Stonehenge. Yes. Uh, New Hampshire, yeah, and uh, all kinds of features in the New Hampshire landscape, stone chambers and stone arteries that look like they're not walls, but they're, some people call them walls, um, but uh, enigmatic stone features, uh, ancient mounds, uh, the mound building so-called mound building cultures. And uh, in my area of the Pacific Northwest, we also have some of these enigmatic stone features uh, in the vicinity of Mount Shasta. 
uh, and uh, and yeah, that environment, uh, we find that there's these stone arteries, these stone constructions that are they're they're clearly intentional for a number of reasons. Uh, they're similar to but different than the the so-called stone walls and features we find in the east, and so uh, they're they're in your own backyard, whether you're aware of them or not. Uh, these they may have been plowed over, or uh, landowners might not be talking about them because they don't want people poking around and digging. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, um, you know, these ancient mysteries are just around the corner. You don't have to travel to some distant. Uh, you don't have to go to the Bermuda Triangle to experience a vortex. Mm-hmm. There's these points in your own hometown. If you've got a place where the two rivers are coming together. Mm-hmm. And you are able to get all the way around that convergence, confluence, if you're able to experience the energies below the confluence, above the confluence, around the confluence, those are all going to be very different energies. Yes, I've uh, I felt that in uh, various, because I've, I've traveled all, of, all over Canada and I, I'm attracted to bodies of water and I have sensed that. Mm-hmm. Yes, the um, the University of Wisconsin apparently has several native effigy mounds. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's, like you said, you don't uh, have to leave your backyard to find a lot of these things. Exactly right. Everywhere, the electromagnetic energy is unique. It's n- not the same anywhere. And as you travel from one kind of energy field to another, that's where you're more... Uh, kind of most likely to experience the energy. It's almost like the fish doesn't know it's in water mm-hmm. until it jumps out, let's <laughs> say. Yeah. So that at the change where the at the interface where the energy changes, I, I think that's where you're most likely to sense that energy and everybody senses it in different ways. Uh, so um, it may be maybe a mountaintop, it may be a river, uh, a lake, it, it might be an ancient site, it might be ore and mineral deposits. Uh, so there's uh, every one of these things has its, mm, let's say, its own medicine. Hmm. Yeah. Is there any place in the world that you would like to go research that um, that you've heard of and you haven't had a chance to go to mm-hmm. yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh well, pretty much every place. <laughs> uh, right, right now, Nova Scotia is definitely calling me. Ah. Uh, I'd like to see the the Bay of Fundy and the tides there beautiful there i'm originally from new brunswick mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's there are some geometries there in nova scotia and and some enigmatic sites uh, etc so that's that's on my bucket list nice yeah hmm. yeah what's your next spot where's john what's what what's comes to mind for you oh i would love to go to uh egypt or scotland it's just uh, i don't know why i've just been drawn well Scotland, because that's um, on my father's side. That's where my grandfather was born, and uh-huh. I've never ha- never had the pleasure of being over, over across the, the pond, as they say. And uh, Egypt, I don't. This ancient uh, Egypt always has fascinated me for whatever reason. Ever since I'm a young girl. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, the pyramids in Mexico are a little closer, so. Yes. I remember don't. when I first heard that uh, Mexico had pyramids. I th- always thought, you know, when I was young, that it was only Egypt because that's the only place that they ever used to speak about. So I thought that was very fascinating. And then the more you learn, there's just pyramids and ancient monuments all over the world. And not just, just pyramids everywhere. Sardinia. I mean, I could go on and on China everywhere. It's crazy. Italy, uh, Malta, I think, I don't know. Every, it just, they're, they're everywhere. The Hmm. more you dig into it, the more you dig into it. They're just, they're just, uh, yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. So we're just about at the end here. Is uh, anything else? That, any final thoughts? Hmm. I would say this might take some editing. I'm 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 hesitating here for a second. <laughs> take two. Um, <laughs> sometimes I say this. I have a bit of a catchphrase. I'm not sure if I want to go with it. What I'd like to achieve is kind of a through line for the whole talk if i can for the whole podcast 
you know, I try to kind of stay on same theme. So I don't want to introduce a whole new theme on it. So I kind of want to sum up. Okay. If I can. Of course. Um, So, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to ask these questions. I, I love your questions. And I always learn from questions. And I I learn from hearing from people out in the field. So I would just say that um, I would invite your listeners, you and your listeners, to um, heighten your sensitivities. As you go out into the world, um, ponder what it might be like to see with electromagnetic eyes. You may feel separate from your place, but that would be a misperception because the highest truth would be that you are not separate. You are in a relationship of unity with your place. And by connecting with your place, you can help to harmonize the place and to harmonize your own energy system. Hmm. And perhaps people, most people won't feel so disjointed. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's a, a real truth. Uh, concealed, slightly concealed in the word orient, orient, because we think of orienting as finding our location, our place. And the word, of course, comes from the word for, for east. And in the modern day, we do orient ourselves really more to the north. But uh, in in the past, people oriented themselves to the east. So so if you meditate on that throughout the day and you consider where you are in relationship to your place and that you are totally connected to your place, uh, I think that will, will tend to bring much joy. Hmm. Well, I thank you so much, Dan, for being on the show. It's, this topic is so fascinating to me. Thank you so much for playing with me, Paranormal Cat. <laughs> and you take care. Okay, you too. We'll be in close touch in the of coming course. days. Yes, okay. thank you. All right, bye-bye now. Bye. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments... Just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to purpleplanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 